0: Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat podcast.
1: Carol Kaufman, co-author of the book, Real-Time Leadership. How are you doing today?
2: I am doing very well, thank you. Even though it's supposed to be like negative 20 tomorrow.
1: it You know, it's been a rough winter. We're, we're, we're taping this in the, the winter early in 2023. And yeah, the, 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 the ice and storms have gripped America and all over the country and all over the world. Tell me, When you think about this book, Real-Time Leadership, what was it that drove both of you to put pen to paper and and get this out to the world?
2: A couple of things is uh, David Noble, my co-author, he comes from a banking background, operational um, roles, et cetera, and then coach. I come from a background of, I, I teach at Harvard, I've been a clinical psychologist and a leadership coach for about 15 years now. And we were often working together and just trying to figure out what is it that we are learning from our clients about what works, what, what helps people be like successful and satisfied. And we started putting our heads together and the book happened.
1: At Blanchard, we love simple models. I mean, that's we've 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 done very well in the world with very simple models. And and the two of you introduced the move model. So let's kind of walk through that. But is this this mm-hmm. model a, just a collection of both of your experiences and both of what you've seen work? How did you how did you come upon this?
2: Okay, we drew on everything we know. We've got business strategy in there, military strategy, pretty much any psychological theory you can think of, as well as the leadership literature, um, Ken's book included, by the way, because it's so core to everything we do. And then um, really just dove into our experiences with our clients and we pulled from, from really from all of that.
1: There's so much out there around mindfulness and, and, and the, the, the model starts with be mindfully alert. And and so yeah. it really is about a presence. It's about an awareness. It's about just, just being there both for yourself and and, and your people. What do you find as you kind of digged into, you know, what does it mean to be mindfully alert?
2: Okay. Um, so we know the mindful part, the mindful part being sort of open, uh, sort of judgment-free, and just sort of freely absorbing what is around you and being centered. Alert is more like an athlete. So think of a you know top tennis player or basketball player, where you're highly alert to what is going on outside of you, what are the demands on you, What's going on inside you? How are you talking to yourself? How have you invested in your growth? And what's going on between you and other people? And the alert part is also in the now, not basing what you do on what worked yesterday or the past, but what works now. So mindful alert is what's going on, and being very super agile.
1: How does how does your mindfulness and 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 and, and- having that focus on yourself, how can you kind of share that with other people or at least use that with other people? How can you make sure that they're, they have that connectedness and presence when, when you're working together?
2: Sure. Great. Well, one is we sort of, you know, we'll, we'll teach some of the model, but one of the things we do is we ask people um, three questions, like keep in mind three questions um, all the time, which is, What do you want to do? Who do you want to be? How do you need to relate? And this really stems from that famous quote by Viktor Frankl, which more or less is between every stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our freedom. And what we wanna do is two things. One, make that space as big as possible. Ideally, you even wanna live in that space. But also once you've made the space figure out okay what do i do with it what are the choices i have that are going to lead me to optimal performance
1: the second part of the model is around it's called generating options you use the second second word of the of the of the to match up with the o you mm-hmm. talk about you talk about finding four ways to win tell me about that that concept as you understand it
2: So we have four sets of reflexes and real-time leadership and being in the moment means transcending your reflexes. So first, what are your reflexes? There are, you know, sort of fight, flight, freeze, and befriend. Befriend, by the way, people don't know that's in the reflex category, but if you see a toddler in front of an oncoming bus, you don't ask yourself, oh, should I, oh dear, right? You just... Grab the kid and you take care of them. So the four reflexes translate into what we call the four stances. And one way you think about that is if you go back to tennis, you'll notice that if someone's going to hit a forehand, their legs are one way, they have a stance. If it's a backhand, another stance. Up to the net, another stance. And how can we have four stances? And the stances are what's behind the four options. And they are. Do you want to, in any situation, whether it's a business decision and outcome, whether it's how do I relate to someone, it's, I'll first zip you through them. Do I lean in, lean back, lean with, or don't lean? So you can imagine, say, it's a difficult conversation or like, do I buy this company? Do I lean in? Do I actively engage? Be aggressive, proactive. Now, I can lean in with enthusiasm and positive emotion. Or you can lean in with sort of a more intense. So that's lean in. Is that the path I should take? Oh, wait, maybe I should lean back, go up on the balcony and look at the data and, you know, really sort of live in the very rational and thought through, do I need to lean back? Or do I need to lean with what's needed now is caring, whether it's nurturance for a person, creating an environment of psychological safety and a good culture? Um, You know, what are the ways that sort of people first? And then the really tough one to do is to not lean, Mm. which is something happens and you have the fortitude to do nothing. That could be as simple as comfort with silence. It could be, you know, you're you're on television and somebody throws you a curveball. Can you, again be able to do any of those four stances and not lean would be, can I not respond and let something come to me? Because that's sort of the heart of how you create an aha experience. So those are the four stances that can lead to the options that you pick to go forward.
1: And it is situational. You said it's very similar to, to kind of what Blanchard teaches. And so yeah. um, you're right. The last one can be so tough. It's that what you learned in kindergarten about, you know, count to 10 sometimes. That can be your, <laughs> your, best, your best. I'm
2: going for three. Three.
1: <laughs> so how do you, you know, how do you find yourself choosing what's right? Is this one that comes with muscle memory where you, like you talked about, hey, I've got a Look at the feet of the tennis player and understand this is coming, so I need to act here. Or do you find that sometimes you'll you'll misuse one in the wrong situation and, and it's an opportunity to be better? Like what's what's been one of your learnings as you've as you've kind of seen those different ways to react or ways to respond?
2: Okay, so the answer is yes, all of the above. One of the things we do in the book, which you know, if you had five hours, I'd explain is we actually go through each of these. Marshall Goldsmith said that our book is dense in a good way, which <laughs> is any any chapter could be a book.
1: Yeah.
2: And what we have is we actually have a manual and an operating system where it says, like, if you see X, your team is quiet, then you can lean in if this, lean back if that. So we literally walk you through all of them. But the main point is to practice in any situation just asking yourself, you know, do I want to lean in, lean back, lean with, or not lean? Sort of get that into your head. Because in terms of people, it's how do we transcend the golden rule? You know, the golden rule, do to others as you would want to be done to you, which of course is wrong. Yeah. What it is, is you may know, the platinum rule, do unto others as they would want to have done to them. So imagine a super extrovert boss with a struggling super introvert report and you can just imagine what would happen. You know, the the, the pep talk that you endure or the other way around. But so part of it is just getting that lean in, lean back, don't lean, lean with kind of into your muscle memory, as you said, and also practicing and pulling on your values. If you actually care about your people, you want, to have different choices on how you respond to them
1: yeah i was I was going to ask a question i'll ask from time to time is about do you think you know leaders are born or made and 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 are there troublesome leaders that you just this book won't just won't help them and you just hit on something that i think would come in that question which is if you don't care you're probably not going to take the effort to change to be a better leader but mm-hmm. i believe you probably believe what kim blancher's believe which is that people actually want to be magnificent. They want to be good leaders. And you believe with the right approach, people can do better, right?
2: Yes. And a thing about care, one of the things, um, one of the reasons I've been told I'm I'm very good at coaching is I, I actually tend to gravitate towards the people, as Marshall says, I take the people he wouldn't touch. Mm. Cause I I like I like coaching skeptics who are sort of bossy and irreverent. Um And why is that? It's because one of the things I've learned in my life is to see through the caustic behavior to the person underneath. And it is very rare that I find a leader who is bad-hearted. Most of them have had the caring drummed out of them. They've been taught to be command and control, and they're under the kind of pressure that would crush an ordinary human being. So some of these very tough leaders that you think would not be open to coaching at all when you care about them it it opens something up so i had one guy poor guy uh, he was about to be a ceo of a, the largest company of its kind in the world and he was told that in order to be ceo he had to have one year of coaching with me and so of course he procrastinated for 6 months and then we finally meet and literally the first words out of his mouth he looks at his watch and goes how long is this going to take okay now if you can lean with at a moment like that, it's very powerful. That really pulls for, well, excuse me, but, or whatever. But if you can lean with, and in this case, I just thought, heck, if I'd been working all my life for the best job in the world and I had to talk to some woman I don't know in order to be the CEO of this global organization, well, I would not be a happy camper either. So I just said to him, you know, we'll figure that out together. I think that coaching should fit into what you need and your structure, not the other way around. So he kind of looked at me because he wasn't expecting me to lean with. And and I just said, so how how can I be of service to you right now? And he talked nonstop for 15 minutes, telling me everything that was going on. And then one last thing is he, he, he did something kind of aggressive, which I said, oh, how did that turn out? And he goes, well, my most valued person quit. So i'm like um would you like that to not happen again and that was it we we were off and running so i think the that's one example of how to be working with those different um stances in real time
1: let's talk about vision you've talked a little bit about that and how that plays through here how do you develop a perfect vision for what you want to be internally to show to the world to just to be as, as as great as you can be how do you really kind of focus in on something that is is possible it's replicatable it's something you can live with
2: i love that question it's harder than you think if i was going to really ask you so you know chad what are the things you're working on where where are you like falling short you could probably come out with a bunch of things but if i said hey chad if you are going to be at your best, what would you look like? Could you paint a picture for me? That is harder. We are neurologically primed to see the negative and the stressful and the threat. So we look ahead sort of survival based. But one of the things we do in, in our coaching a lot is something we call, um, I call it coach by numbers, but starts out with, if you were a 10 out of 10, what would you look like? What would you be doing? And this is very evidence-based, actually, a lot of neurological science based on it, especially the work of um, Richard Boyatzis and something called Intentional Change Theory. So your intention really matters, and we tend to overlook it or not think about it. So when I do a a quick coaching model, so um, let's say you wanted to learn, work on being a better, say, listener, Mm. which is ridiculous because you're a great listener, but we'll just imagine it. Say, okay, Chad, if you were a 10 out of 10 on listening, like what would you look like? And I will make you paint that picture in oil color detail. Then I might say, so Chad, on a scale of one to 10, where are you now? And let's say you say I'm a seven. I would then say, so what are you doing right that you're not a six or a 6.5 and really hammer that home to try to see where are you already living your vision? And you're not letting yourself know it because you're looking at the things you don't have rather than what you do. And then the coaching, that is like, that's the art of positive confrontation, which you can do if you care, which is, well, what else did you do right? Well, Chad, what else did you write? And then you get to a point where you're drooling. And then just once more, I say, and Chad, what else are you doing right? And something pops out. And then the next question is just, what could you do over the next eight weeks to get from a seven to a 7.5? We've now primed you with all your intentions and all your visions and what you've done right. And then that can kind of like lift you up to see what it is you could do next to be even better.
1: That's one of the that's that's I've, I've been with Blanchard for for coming up on 19 years. And that was one of the learnings and one of Ken's programs just about you don't have to be magnificent tomorrow. But what if you were one percent better tomorrow? and how could that add up over time right and it it becomes less much less daunting so i love that i love that connection of actually drilling down to the very specific qualities and the things that you're going to show to the world and just how can we just move the needle a little bit so let's yeah. let's let's talk about um i what i loved about um the, the last part of the model it's just really talking about kind of putting yourself out there you're basically telling the world hey I've been doing some work here. I have a higher standard now. I want you all to be kind of aware of that. So it's so kind of, you know, it, 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 at uh, at Blanchard, we have a thing called sharing your leadership point of view. And it's, it's like mm-hmm. it's letting people know, this is why I lead the way I lead. This is maybe it's from my background or my childhood or a coach or a parent or an uncle or something like that. But this is how I want to lead. And this is how I want to be more magnificent. You you talk about kind of as well as about getting that out there to the people, sharing it with the people. Why is that so important? Is it to keep you honest? Is it is it also just a freeing thing of letting people know that you do want to be better? Why do you see that valuable?
2: I see that valuable in a couple of ways. I think one, as a leader, if you're talking about how you want to be even greater, it models, number one, that you're interested in growth and that people that are more likely want to be invested in their growth as well. So I think that is just terribly important for people to, you know, leadership is so much of what you emanate. It's not what you say, but the signals you send out are, you know, your character really emanates from you. And then mirror neurons and a whole bunch of other things happen. But one of the things you want to do as a leader, we talk about this in um, one section called engage and effect change. So if you are really working to be a better leader and people know, they're much more able to and willing to engage with you because you're not other above them. But you also the need to send out the right signals so people know what you're thinking. And typically, I mean, you must see this as a leader, you can think you're being clear. And um, guess what? You're not. Mm -hmm. So you have to really assume that people don't understand you the first time out, that you want to send out your signals, and then you want to hear the echo. Are people distorting what you say? Are they getting what you say? And it's your responsibility as a leader to signpost and, and find that gap between what you think you have said and what people have heard
1: all of this ultimately is to be better is to help organizations be better is to show up in a different way and 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 make sure that the people that you lead aren't talking about you around the dinner table because it's you're not leading very well hmm. you 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 both share that the things that you do here could have a 10x approach so talk about how you've seen putting these into action can exponentially um, make, just make things better, whether it's the bottom line or it can help you with your career. Where have you, where, where do you see this helping you thrive? Um, as somebody who would pick up this book to want to be better.
2: Okay. So the whole idea about what you need to do for 10 X leadership, like, you know, you want to stay ahead of the curve. So there, if you would go through the whole model, you know, you need to sort of boost it, like really put it on steroids to like truly understand what do I need to accomplish, be very clear about what's going on in the world and not being stuck in the past, but also to really challenge yourself like, okay, this mountain looks high to me, but it's not a 14er. So if I was gonna like on a scale of one to 10, what would I be like if I was a hundred? Like just getting, as you say, just getting that vision in your mind. And then to realize that if you're in a 10x situation of either being disrupted or choosing how to be the disruptor, you have to really be incredibly vigilant to your inner world for a number of reasons. One is um, a lot of what you can learn when you're really on that cutting edge comes from your intuition. And what is intuition? Intuition is taking your pattern recognition a step further. So you have your real sense of, okay, in yesterday's world, I would do this, this, and this. A plus B, you know, will get me to C. As opposed to really getting to a place where, okay, what else could happen? How more could I understand things? And then be open to ideas that hit you. And so that's the funny one about don't lean. It's sometimes if you really want the highest Highest performance, you have to still yourself, and I think we see that. Um, the image I have that comes to my mind is when you watch at a um, at, at the Olympics or something. You watch the the people doing his sprints or running, and you see them. They've prepared and they've prepared and they've prepared. As all good leaders, if you want to be ten xing, do. And then you see them close their eyes, and you can just sense. I'm forgetting everything now, except this moment. And the gun goes and you take off. And that's the kind of headset and, and expansive vision, I think, that helps you at a 10x place.
1: I'm loving this conversation. We've got time for just a couple more questions. And the one I always like to ask, and I, it just gets so many great insights. If if, if there was just one thing that our listeners could take away from our conversation with us today, Carol, if there's just one thing, what would you want to share with them?
2: I would say when something is thrown at you, make the space for choice. Be aware of whatever framework works for you. If the move model works for you, that's great. If another model works for you, use that. But if you can make space, so imagine a bowling ball is thrown at you. Do you catch it? Do you put it down and look at it? Do you duck? Do you hand it back to the person? In those moments, how can you make space? And then I think you can become, you know, a wise and ideally extraordinary in terms of being able to put, you know, people and your purpose first, but then get to high performance as well.
1: Carol, if people want to dig a little bit more into you, into the book, into your co-author, where would you send them?
2: Okay. First, I would send people to my own website, which is Carol Kaufman. That's two Eps as in Friday and one N, so carolcoffman.com. And if you want to know about the book, just remember the title, Real Time Leadership, and Google it. And it will come up, and then hopefully you will also buy it. But that's probably the best way to, to find us.
1: I love it. Carol Kaufman, co-author with David Noble real-time leadership. Thank you so much, Carol, for taking a little bit of time out of your day and spending some time with us here on the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast.
2: You are wonderful. I think you guys are doing fantastic uh, work in the world, and I'm glad to be here.
1: I love it. Thank you, Carol. Have a great, great day. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard.
0: Thanks, Chad, for interviewing Carol Kaufman. I'm really excited to read her book, Real-Time Leadership, Find Your Winning uh, Ways When the Stakes Are High. What I just love about that is that What she's saying is so many leaders, when situations happen, they're kind of stimulus response types. Somehow, boom, I better respond right away. And she's saying, no, uh, give yourself some space. At the end, she really summarizes it beautifully. When something is thrown at you, make space for a choice, for making a choice. How are you going to respond? Are you going to lean in? (laughs) Are you going to lean back? Are you going to lean with? Or you can not lean. I mean, oh, this is really fabulous stuff, you know, because uh, leadership can really be important uh, for you if you think about it, if you don't get in this stimulus response that you realize you have time to pause and think before you respond. How can you best help people be their best? And so, wow, what important stuff this is. And thank you. Uh, Carol thank you Chad I'm really excited to really be thinking more about my own leadership because I don't want to be a stimulus response leader I want to be one who thinks about it and responds in a way that makes difference in people's lives good on you